Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on my Sunday sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the uh, cutting room floor. Um, we, I'm excited to get started today because I love this book. I think the sermon series is going to be really good uh, just because of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. So we uh, did, a, it was about Ruth 1 this past yeah. weekend. And uh, so let's go. Okay. Do you like Ruth? I do like Ruth yeah. a lot. I, you know, it's probably, it may be top five for me. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's pretty strong. Uh, yeah. I mean, like up there, John, Luke, mm-hmm. that's up there. Philippians. What else? Mike, we could, do you have a top five? And you, with numbers. Stipulation. Definitely number one. Um, <laughs> Lamentations. Lamentations. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jude. Jude. Like I was saying. Jonah. Um, no, I actually do like Jonah, but, um, no, you like is. the book of Jonah. You don't like the character of Jonah, That's true. as I recall. Yes. Um, no, That's Ruth not is an a old good podcast, right? That is an old one. Try to correct your mis- mis- mistaken view of Jonah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't succeed. You didn't. No. <laughs> um, no, this this sermon is like my jam because it's all about relationship, which mm-hmm. is like anything I ever take for like leadership or my gifts is all relationship based. Yeah. So. I was eating up the sermon because I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you open up by talking about how Ruth is more of a short story, yeah, but but with obviously a great lesson. And we just came off of a sermon series. I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. Um, and looked at some of those stories. How maybe they were. Uh, I don't know how you would classify them or genre. So can you compare? Can you talk about the comparison of Ruth and how it's special compared to some of the excerpts we just covered? Is there any like crossover? Um, let's see. So that was a little, so I, I would say, so the one that you preached four times mm-hmm. was, um, it was a story that was short, but it was like, a, it was a couple of paragraphs in a larger book, like yeah. a larger narrative. So it wasn't really intended to be a standalone, mm-hmm. uh, story as much as it was, you know, cause I mean, you gotta read what comes before, but what mm-hmm. comes after, what comes after all that. Um, then we had Psalm 137, we had that little weird thing from Genesis six and then some teachings of Jesus and all those are said in the larger narrative. I mean, I guess the Genesis six story, the angels, Mary and Mm -hmm. Mary and the ladies, uh, would be just a few verses in a larger narrative. So a short story is, you know, it's a, it's a genre that, that tells a complete story, um, uh, in an economy of words is the way I put it in the sermon. Um, definitely not a. Novel, definitely not a novelette, but it's uh, um, just a shorter version of a full narrative mm-hmm. that's got a, a full narrative arc. It's got a fully developed plot. It's got uh, characters that are more or less fully developed, depending on the author's intent, conflict resolution, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And uh, it's really, it's a brilliantly told story, mm-hmm. you know, and we got, by, by, by the time you're five verses in, you've set the stage for all four chapters. Yeah. 
and I'll, and then the end of those four chapters set the stage for the whole narrative of David, which mm-hmm. is pretty important, which we'll get to. Yeah. So, so Ruth kind of stands. It's a very unique book. Yeah, there. Like, so what else would you consider to be in this category? I mean, Jonah clearly. Yeah, I was gonna say Jonah. Like Esther. Yeah, maybe yeah, Esther. It's kind of a short story in that same vein. Yeah. Um, but all the New Testament stuff is not short stories. I mean, right. they're very specific types of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, the prophets are all, you know, clearly a type of writing. Yeah. So there's just a handful of examples. And yeah. I just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. And Ruth is, I mean, what I love about it is all the key characters, and the key characters are going to be Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. Mm-hmm. And all three of them show this uh, this trait mm-hmm. of hesed, uh, loving kindness, faithful commitment, loyalty. I mean, there's a lot of ways to kind of unpack that word, but it's the, it's a really central concept in Jewish tradition. And they all exhibit that in different ways, but above and beyond a normal human relationship. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a great story. So you talk about how Ruth is read publicly every year during the festival of weeks. Uh-huh. So did you find out anything in your commentary or exegetical so work? The, here's the funny part. You're okay. talking about something that ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. It was in the paragraph. It was it was a paragraph in the manuscript that I sent to you. And on Sunday morning, I felt like it was it didn't really advance what I was trying to say. So okay. I cut it. So literally, it was on the cutting room floor. Oh. And you know how – and it, that, it was <laughs> fun. It's true. Uh, that came right before the map that I put up. Yeah. Of the Jerusalem to Moab mm-hmm. thing. And the the guys in the sound booth, bless their hearts, I didn't tell them that I cut that paragraph. And so I, I just skipped it. And I started I, – I kept waiting for the map to come up. And I felt like they were looking at me like, uh, you missed a whole paragraph there, dude. <laughs> All three services. Uh, yeah. No, the first two services, it was a delay. Yeah. By the third one, they're like, oh, he's not going to say that part. Yeah. So, uh, I, 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 Whitney thought that was interesting, too. Yeah. I thought I should keep it, but it – was, I just wanted to save a little bit of time. So we had a lot going on in those services. Yeah. Certainly the 11 o'clock on Sunday. But anyway, that's, none of that's relevant to what you asked. <laughs> so um, they're in so in Christian Bibles, Ruth, which is hard to find. I mean, I almost always have to go to the table of contents when I find it, I'm out, when I'm looking for it. But it comes – because I forget it comes right after Judges because it's set during the time of Judges. It comes right after the book of Judges. But in uh, Hebrew Bibles, it's in the section called the Writings – the first of five scrolls, all of which are read publicly at uh, festivals throughout the year. First festival of the year in the liturgical year for Jews. I don't know if they would say liturgy, but the mm-hmm. uh, synagogue calendar is Passover. Second one is um, the festival of weeks, which is also Pentecost for us. Okay. So the 50th day after, uh, for us, Easter uh, is Pentecost. And it's a harvest festival. And so it's uh, it's read at the harvest festival because of the obvious harvest overtones gotcha. that we're going to get to in two, three, yeah. two, three. Okay. And it's the second of the five scrolls because it's the second festival of the year. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I did not know that. I, I think that's kind of interesting. So they, yeah, they read it, the whole thing aloud. Yeah. Well, it's a good it's a good book. And I think it's interesting because I mean, obviously, it teaches a lot about who God is, but it is it's a different kind of teaching yeah so in the same way as esther interestingly yeah. so another one of the short stories jonah is more overtly about god sure. jonah's a prophet but in esther there is no mention of the word god 
help comes from another quarter, right? It's that famous phrase from Esther. Mm -hmm. And it's the same kind of thing in Ruth. I mean, it's, they're definitely, uh, so the whole book is about this trait that God shows to Israel and that, you know, ideally we show to each other, but it's not, it doesn't come out and say that. Yeah. Another sign of good writing. Yeah. Have you ever written short stories? Written any, um, a couple actually, um, but, uh, nothing that I ever like what sought to anyone to know. Or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What about poetry? But I did submit it to a writing contest for the writer magazine and, really? uh, it, yeah, it was many years ago. Okay. It was when I was in Henrietta. Okay. I mean, not that many years ago. Interesting. Hey, you? No. I mean. You're working on your screenplay? Yeah, totally. Yep. <laughs> musical? Is it a musical? Musical, yeah. About Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> about, about Twilight? I'm just kidding. Like the vampire thing? Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Ashley's nodding her head. Um, never finished those books. I tried and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm losing brain cells. I'm just going to go ahead and. <laughs> you didn't finish? No. Oh They're terrible. Gosh. Wow. Okay. So here's a question. Then the Super Bowl halftime show, was that for you or was that more for my generation? Uh, it was for me and it took so much self-control not to comment on your same. Oh, Kendrick. <laughs> no, Kendrick. I'm out on Kendrick. But but when Dre, was, Dre and Snoop were up there doing yeah. California Love, I was uh-huh. rapping along. We had, we had church members over and I think they were a little <laughs> like, uh, huh. Preachers, uh, um, singing, the baby in my belly loved the halftime oh. show. The baby was like boom, 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 boom <laughs> in my belly during it. I was like, all right now. So my Facebook comment was I could not. It was a kind of a get off my lawn moment. And, it was. <laughs> and Whitney, it was. Won, Whitney wanted to post the Clint Eastwood meme. Yeah. GIF or, GIF or whatever. Mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood like looking all hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Kendra, I could not understand a word he said. A 50 cent, I could have done without the hanging upside down in the club with the... Yeah, that was weird. That was a little... But that was a little risque. For just, you know, my 11-year-old sitting next to me. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I really wanted to comment like, well, maybe if you turn up your hearing aids, you could hear him <laughs> yeah. or something. No, I would, it would need to be... Yeah. No, I don't... I don't Slow I'm, down. I'm not familiar with any of his music. Subtitles. And I would subtitles. I'd have subtitles. Exactly. Subtitles. Yeah. I felt like I was back in my, my RAV4 in high school. I was having a good time. Yeah. Or college. I can't remember. It was a good time. My favorite comment was about 50 cent. Looks like 75 cent now. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. Anyway. All right. We get to keep talking about that. All right. Scripture. Okay. Um, Okay. So you you mentioned how this was written most likely during the time of King Solomon, Mm -hmm. which makes me wonder about the book of Song of Songs, which people point to that as like, that tells us about romantic love, Mm -hmm. but this is different. Mm -hmm. How so? Is there any similarities between Song of Songs and Ruth, like in any? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, a Song of Songs is is like poetry. It's a mm-hmm. song. It's music. Yeah. So I mean, totally different literary genre. So what's interesting about that period of Israelite history? I mean, it was there was a great culture. I mean, it was the golden age, right? It was the it was the pinnacle of the kingdom. <clears throat> David unified the kingdom after Saul. So Saul founded it. David unified it. Solomon really kind of. Colloquialism to get to the next level in terms of its economic um, flourishing and cultural flourishing, but then, according to the Bible, anyway, promptly forgot where he came from, mm-hmm. uh, and so then the kingdom split right after he, after his death. But during that era, you know, there was all I mean, this writing that is just transformative and remains important uh, to this day, including Song of Songs, as you mentioned. Um, 
Proverbs, a lot of the Proverbs, mm-hmm. Psalms, a lot of the Psalms were, you know, pro- some of which were written by his father, but were probably actually, you know, collected mm-hmm. during the reign of Solomon. And then this amazing story, which is set, um, you know, probably it's four generations before. I mean, the way the end of chapter four puts it, it's four generations before David. So it'd be five generations before Solomon. So however the math works out on that. Um, what I love about it is that it's, that makes it really old. I mean, it's a 3000 year old story. Yeah. And yet it's just really, it's, it's told well enough to read like a modern short story. I think. Mm-hmm. I do think, uh, there's a chapter, there's are some parts in Ruth that are a little racy. Yeah. We're skipping that one. We're skipping that one. Yeah. We'll do a special podcast for that. <laughs> like, after dark. <laughs> after dark. Off script. Off script. Dark. Off script. Off script. Quiet storm. Right. Um, and of course, Song of Sol- Solomon or Song of Songs is a little racy too. So there's that. Um, that's that's most that's kind of the long and short of it, though, of that kind of content in, Bible, in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple other places, but yeah. Yeah. Talk about okay. So the names. Explain this to me. Maybe I am just not bright but okay so you go through all the names which they were kind of hard to say mm-hmm. i noticed in your manuscript you had some like phonetic oh i had notes and i was like oh good he does it too yeah 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 oh yeah <laughs> i look it up to make sure i'm saying it right because you know like you look at the word um m-a-h-l-o-n the name m-a-h-l-o-n so is that malin malin yeah i don't know I just, I just say it like, there's real three fast versions. I, there's yeah. three different things you could say yep so I've got a book that tells me how to pronounce all these things. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's a sh- anyway. So they all, you went through like all the different names, how they mean yeah. things. So is that, how do names get their meaning? You know, like how do, um, like when I was looking for baby names, I'm like, how do they, how do they choose? Like, this is what it means. Yeah. Do you well, know the origin of all this? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so like Christopher means Christ bearer. Uh-huh. That's from, it's in Greek. So, so a lot of names in English will be derivative of some other language that means yeah. something. Uh, last name too, by the way. So, uh, but is your question, why does Malin mean, um, I don't even say it means like sickly one. Right. Like the, like, yeah. Right. Is the question, just, why did you name your kid that? Yeah. Cause I'm like, well, he did die. So then, then, then that's where the. Right. The recent like, – Yeah, so the question would be, is this a story about a woman who named her kids Malin and Killian mm-hmm. and then their destiny was fulfilled when they died? Right. Because they mean sickness, weakness, uh-huh. annihilation, consumption, that kind of thing. Or is this a story about these this family? Maybe their names were Jeff and Brandon. <laughs> But in retrospect, you know, the, to make it more meaningful, yeah. the author took some liberty and changed their name. Yeah. Sounds like some narrative finesse. I think so. Every author has mm-hmm. the right to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, you wouldn't want to call him out. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. So, like, but then Naomi does, Naomi does this thing with her own name. Right. Where she changed it to bitterness. But she still goes by Naomi the rest of the... Yeah. I mean, she's just mad at the moment. Yeah, she's mad. Okay, so talk about what's the word that you use that we're talking about? The Hebrew Hesed. Oh, Hesed, yeah. Yeah. So talk about what that means. Um, so that so when uh, it's it's all over the Old Testament. 
to describe how God relates to God's people, Israel. Mm-hmm. I use God's people because we have a broader definition of that now. But in the Old Testament, it was Israel. And um, it's it's uh, not exactly love. So it's not like agape in, in the New Testament. It's not like philos in the New Testament, which is brotherly love. It's mm-hmm. It's got a different kind of meaning and connotation. It means <clears throat> that you are kind and you are committed no matter what, even through ups and downs. It's a really, it's a beautiful word. Yeah. The whole story is about how these characters embody this divine characteristic for one another. And uh, they really do go above and beyond. Like no, Ruth staying with Naomi is would not ever have been expected by anyone. Naomi herself didn't want her to do that. She wanted her to go. She loved her enough that she wanted her to be happy. And there's a lot of relationships where that's not the case. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, um, disinterested love like you love someone enough that you're not in you're not in in it for your own what you can get out of that relationship so naomi and ruth embody this it's the way god relates to us and then boaz will later as well Mm -hmm. it's a great word it's a really important word it is i do wish we would use it more and loving kindness let's talk about loving kindness i did see by the way your note on the let devotionals oh yeah so, okay, inside so, baseball. yeah, so I had to send my Lent devotion draft last night and I just said, what did I say? Use, please, please show me loving kindness. Please show me loving kindness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing the word back. Um, but loving kindness, that's a lot in like the Psalms, right? Isn't it? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Talking about. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's all over the place. That's a great word. It is a fantastic word. Yeah. I think we should bring it back. Because, thank, and, thank you for your loving kindness. Right. I mean, it's because it's both. Like you can love somebody without being all that nice to them. Mm-hmm. People do that all the time. And you can be nice to somebody and not really deeply care about their well-being. Mm-hmm. Certainly people do that all the time. So what Naomi and, and Ruth do for each other, Naomi do, Naomi initiates this kind of emotion mm-hmm. by begging her to stay where she is and remarry. Mm-hmm. And Ruth just isn't willing to do that. She's not willing to go away. Yeah. Her sister-in-law does, but her sister-in-law is not doing the wrong thing, the quote-unquote wrong thing. She's doing the culturally ex- expected thing mm-hmm. and the thing that her mother-in-law asked her to do. Um, yeah, and you were good to say – I don't know exactly what you said in your sermon. Like what she chose was not bad. No. Like at all. Right. She's you're not like, a bad person. Yeah, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Ruth does not make sense <laughs> what she does. Exactly. Yes, Ruth does the unexpected thing. Yeah. Which, by the way, is what God does for us over and over and over again. Correct. <laughs> we keep turning our backs on God. The history of the Old Testament and New Testament is all about that. And God still shows up. God still tries different things. Mm-hmm. God, stay, God stays faithfully committed to us even when we, even when we turn away. I mean, that's in the uh, – isn't that in the communion liturgy? When we, tur- when we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. Yes. Yeah. It is. Um, so I think, I think it's interesting that – you know, Naomi has this like wonderful, no, don't think of me, go on, like your, your future, your happiness is more important. And then she turns real bitter, <laughs> you know, which I guess makes sense. I, but, think she, I think, I do think she comes out of it, right? Yeah, she does. <clears throat> but in that moment, I don't know. I love that. It gives a little, that she feels all the things like she has this selfless and then and then she turns kind of bitter, and then she kind of—I don't know. Yeah, no, she's authentic. Yeah, right. 
and but here's what we didn't talk about because we you could also approach this um, this sermon series kind of unpacking some not great theology. Okay. Because she says. Um, oh, the Lord's dealt harshly yeah, with me. Exactly. The Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. The Lord has dealt harshly with me. The Almighty has brought calamity upon me. Okay. So I want you on. So I want to say, Naomi, <laughs> that is not the way God works. Okay. That is not the way God works in the world. Yeah. I know it feels like that. Mm-hmm. Or I hear you saying it feels like that. Yes. And I understand that in the year 1300 BC, people thought like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not what we think. Right. So as a, every time I read it on Sunday, I thought, uh, yeah. Should I do something with that? Or, but it was just, it would have been too much. I've been too much. But yeah, I'm glad you did say that. Because I did think that when you read that, I'm like, oh, that's not our theology. <laughs> right. That's not our theology. Right. That's not the way we understand it. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know, I'm pretty sure, by the way, Ashley, do you know this? I'm pretty sure that Oprah Winfrey is named yes. after Orpa. Yeah. And her, somebody, like, did they, was it a mistake? It was a mistake. Yeah. They that like a mis- grandparent made or some relative made. Yeah. Um, just always had read it as Oprah when it is, in fact, Orpa. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah, I remember that. I almost was going to say something about that. That's funny. Oprah's story is so cool. So, yeah. It's been Orpa instead of Oprah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, so Naomi and Ruth have no obligation to one another, Like, which I think is is interesting in the way that, like, I know there's no grandchildren, so that would have connected them, mm-hmm. you know. But, like, they really, once the husband dies, like, they don't, yeah, they, Ruth doesn't owe anything no. to Naomi. No, not at all. And no, Naomi knows that. Yeah. And uh, and we don't, we're not told, the story's not clear how long they've been together, either. Yeah. So they, so Malin and Killian take Moabite wives, um... And then it said, and the next sentence says, when they had lived there about ten years. So does that mean they they from from the time they got married ten years later? I mean, it's, it's unclear. Yeah. So, so put that in like context today. I mean, how can we apply that? Like, because there's a lot of people that we have no obligation to one another. Yeah. But what is this? What does this particular relationship right here teach us? Well, so what what I did at the end was. Um, just be real clear, in my opinion, everybody needs church friends. I mean, the, the relationships we choose, like this, the relationship between Naomi and Ruth <clears throat> from the moment that, uh, who was she married to, Malin or Killian? Do we know from the text? I don't know. Well, we don't know. I mean, just the way it flows, I guess maybe Killian, because uh, Malin's listed first and Orpah's listed first, whoever she's married to. From From the moment he dies... That her entire relationship with Naomi is a choice. This happens, by the way, in every family, right? Mm-hmm. So if if you're a family by marriage and someone uh, dies young, say, mm-hmm. at, like this specific case, then how do you stay in a relationship with those yeah. folks? What are your quote unquote obligations? What are your familial responsibilities? Like it's it's a question that a lot of people face. But I did. Um, I did the thing where I think I just feel like everybody needs church friends. And, uh, I, in the sermon, I said, like I've walked in 20 years of church ministry. I, I've seen just about every tragedy, just about every tragedy you can imagine. 
and walked with people through that who both had church friends and those who didn't. And it is just easier and better and lighter when you're walking with people who share your values, who are in community with you every week, who um, are willing to speak the truth and love to you. You know, if you're in that kind of mm-hmm. uh, like discipleship group or Sunday school class or whatever relationship, it just, it just, your circle of friends is very different than those are different friends than our neighborhood friends or PTA friends or whatever. Yeah. And the, I, I mean, part of this was in the sermon manuscript, part of it, I just extemporaneous, extemporaneously, but Saturday in church was a, a perfect microcosm of what life in the church is all about. I had a very tragic funeral in the morning at 10 and, uh, there were lots of people here for that young young couple and their kids. And then that night was a friend from Sherman that uh, I did his wedding and I've, I did his mother's funeral. I've done his son's wedding and two cousins weddings. And <laughs> one of the, one of which was at the deathbed of his, this man's sister. I mean, so when you go through life with those kind of relationships, like I, I just, I just relate to that family differently than I do a lot of families because we just have been through a lot together. And, you know, Naomi and Ruth have gone through a lot together. And what the decision that Ruth makes is that this is a relationship worth continuing to invest in. And um, she's not a believer, by the way. She doesn't, she doesn't, she's not, she didn't grow up with the law of Moses. She doesn't, her gods are different gods, which is why she, when she says your God will be my God, that's yeah. a, that's a statement of cultural, a shift in cultural identity. So she becomes then. Um, part of a tradition where loving kindness is a thing that we expect of one another. Mm-hmm. And she does that by choice. I just think it's really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. So what about uh, you and Whitney? Like you talk about carving out the time to be intentional with others. I mean, how do you all do that? Cause I know being a pastor, sometimes it's can be hard to find groups of friends. Do you have like, are you, do you have like a covenant group with other pastors? Like, how do you, how do you all do that? We've ended up, you know, getting, uh, becoming close friends with people who kind of share our life stage. Mm-hmm. So it's way easier. I mean, just as a practical matter when you, when you're friends with somebody who's got a, in our, in our case, a freshman in high school and a fifth grader boys, yeah. right? I mean, then the whole family unit can get together and hang right. out and everybody's covered. But then, so then they're like, there's like social friends and, you know, you get together for, you go to sporting events together and that kind of thing. Um, but then there is a very special relationship between a pastor and, and congregation, particularly in small towns where, you know, they look out for you in really mm-hmm. special ways. You haven't had that blessing, have you? I mean, you've been at big churches. I mean, I, and it's different. Big yeah. churches just function differently than yes. smaller churches. Mm-hmm. So like when, um. The whole, the whole thing about food, you know, so <laughs> people bring you food when the babies are born, when somebody's in the hospital and somebody comes home from the hospital and somebody dies. Yeah. Uh, when you, in Henrietta, we lived right next to the church. And so everyone knew where we lived. There was no, <laughs> it was not hard to drop food off to the preacher's house. Right. And um, we were well stocked with food all the time. When you move into a new parsonage, by the way, the new pastor arrives, there's yeah. something called a pounding. Have you heard about it? Uh-uh. Where you, like the people of the church fill it. With a pound of coffee, a pound of sugar, a pound of flour. Oh, pound of that's so fun. yeah, it's it's really it's unique. Okay, how about and, you? So, 
we're blessed with uh, some really good friends. I mean, we have found that we've gravitated towards people, other clergy mm-hmm. couples. Mm-hmm. Well, not couples. Um, with some, just one of them is a clergy. But that's how we kind of survive because they get what we're going through mm-hmm. and their support and advice. And so that's kind of our our circle because we can truly be like who we need to be, <laughs> right. you know. Right. So right. that's that's nice. And we have we have a couple of those clergy friends as well. Well, I know Whitney's real involved with clergy spouses too. So she's got her. Yeah, her she group. is uh, clergy spice. They call them. Yes. That's what they call each other. Uh-huh. I didn't come up with that. <laughs> uh, but then she's also she got a Sunday school class that's mm-hmm. very important to her yeah. here and every church we've served. And so when, like, I obviously can't go to Sunday school very often because I'm we have we have church. Yeah. But I mean, like preaching, <laughs> like yeah. you know, worship. But that doesn't keep i mean but she has like those folks are uh her tribe uh we probably overuse that term but it's true so um they they check up on each other when something's going on they're following up with one another if somebody misses for a while they talk about that if they're talking about hard things they can yeah it's just it's a really it's a different kind of relationship than any other and it's it's just so important and that's why you know a couple times a year in sermons i'll tell people you need a group Find a group. If you don't want Sunday school, form a group. Reagan's happy to form a group for you, which I never ask you about ahead of time, but I assume that's true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then online, we have all these online groups we could do too. The Christ United Neighbors could be an, uh, an outlet for that as well. Yeah. So. And then how do you teach your boys? Because I'm always, you know, I'm about, I'm going to raise two boys myself. Yeah. And so thinking about how do I teach them? Are you going with Malin or Killian? <laughs> I think just both. Let's just do both. <laughs> Um, Malin Killian. Killian, or Gil- Killian. Gilliland. Gilliland. Oh, that's awesome. Sure. Killian Gilliland. <laughs> really easy to say. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, yeah, like how do you teach your boy? Kill Gil. Kill Gil. <laughs> there it is. Like Kill Bill. Yeah, Gilliland really messed up name options for us. Um, well, it definitely changes your color palette for sure. It sure does. <laughs> sure does. Um but yeah, how do you teach your boys to practice this loving kindness, this, you know, all that? Because, I don't know, boys are sometimes like, don't be too real for the relationships. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, um, that's a good question. So I, I mean, I'm very, very biased on this, but I have two amazing kids. I think, I don't know, I, there's a, we were foster parents and, um, Part of that training, which is very extensive, is about um, it's about trauma-based um, relationship management, which was really helpful for all relationship mm-hmm. kind of development. And um, specifically with parenting, they talk about there being three uh, levels of the pyramid. And the first level of the pyramid is connection. And that's where you should spend most of your time as a parent. And the second level of the pyramid is empowerment where you don't do, solve their problems for them. And then the very last pyramid is correction mm. and correction is only effective if you've spent enough time connecting and, mm. and empowering. And in, in our case, um, like connection is my kind of go-to words of affirmation, hanging out, watching football games, that kind of thing. Whitney is like a ninja at empowering the kids. <laughs> and, um, I think my own personal belief on this, and it comes from um, 
not not a few years as a youth minister, is that kids learn their faith from their parents. They also learn how to do relationships from their parents. And so if if you're modeling that at home with them and with your spouse, then I do think that, sh- that shapes how they show up. Now, their personality is going to dictate whether they're introverted or extroverted and <clears throat> whether they're whether they're really – they default to wanting to talk about stuff or not and all that. But in terms of how they show up in relationships, I really do think that's I, – I think that's the – answer yeah yeah i guess jude you know he my old he's almost two and a half he's just so sweet <laughs> and i'm like oh i hope you're like that caring like he just the preschool teachers tell me like how much he like looks out for his yeah. classmates yeah, yeah. and i'm like oh please continue you're about to become middle child still <laughs> please still be sweet yeah. but i mean and i'm sure you guys do this somebody somewhere along the way talked about the importance of catching kids doing right things yeah you know and, and affirming that like not just assuming that they're going to be that way but actually saying hey i noticed that you're sweet to that little girl when she mm-hmm. does xyz and that's really good I, w- I want you to keep doing that yeah and not just praising them for being the smartest or the fastest or whatever but also for being kind and that's i can't take credit for that that's whitney i mean she's been all about that for the kids whole lives and so now i've got a really pleasant 15 year old in the house and a really pleasant 11 year old in the house yeah that's that's awesome. But, uh, you know, having an older sister is probably a helpful thing, too. Andy's pretty sweet. Yeah. I she's... mean, she, she models that kind of nurturing side. and Yeah, for sure. Can confirm. <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> yeah, my little brother's, he's, he's, he's top tier. Okay. <laughs> because of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should take credit for that. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned an article from Northwestern that healthy relationships are important to our well-being. We can't get everything from one relationship. Mm-hmm. So how how have you encouraged married married couples to seek out relationships? So I use a specific um, premarital tool called Prepare and Rich. It's the one Whitney and I went through, and it asks a series of questions around that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people who are like in the early stages of a relationship where you're there's a, a phase called limerence. You hear about this? Uh-uh. That's where you know your partner can do no wrong. And, <laughs> It's rose-colored glasses all the time. Uh, yeah. You're all that I've ever needed and wanted. You're perfect. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I mean, ha- that's sweet and adorable for the first six months or whatever. Yeah. But then you got to get to reality. Yeah. And part of the reality of a relationship is she or he cannot be everything to you. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not fair. <laughs> There's no way that that's going to be a long-term recipe for success. So I'm pretty direct about it. Um, and the the particular counseling tool that, I use is helpful because it calls them out because mm-hmm. they'll, you know, it's a scale of one to five, uh, two being strongly disagree, disagree and all the way to strongly agree. And inevitably my partner has everything I could ever want to make. Everybody <laughs> strongly agrees. I'm like, child, please come on now. <laughs> kind of like when they're like, we don't fight. And I'm like, Oh Ooh. my God, that is, that is a red flag. <laughs> it is red flag. I'm like, <laughs> because oh. either you're going to do the Chandler thing and assume like the first fight you have to break up uh-huh. when you finally do. Yes. Or you're just kidding yourself or you're dancing around conflict and that's not good either. Yeah. Resentment is just a building and building and building. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Um, yeah. But so. that social network's important uh-huh. because, you know, like uh, something way well, a long, long time ago I heard is a relationship's never 50-50 ever mm-hmm. or very rarely. It's always like 60-40 or, you know, 
70-30, and whoever's able to give more in the relationship varies based on what's going on with your life, yeah. right? So if you're super stressed, and well, hopefully everybody goes into a relationship understanding that. Yeah. So that you don't put so much pressure on your partner that, to think that they're going to meet all your emotional needs. First of all, it's not possible. But second of all, it's not fair to them. Uh-uh. And so Sunday school, I mean, Sunday school friends, church church friends, social friends, all that is really an important part of all of the measurable ways that relationships make our lives better. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yes, date nights are great, but like having people over to your house or going on double dates and making sure that uh, you've got that community. And that's one thing I ask in premarital too is like, okay, how often do you want people in your home or how often do you want to be with people? Because Scott is introverted. I'm extroverted. And he didn't have a lot of outside relationships. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need those. Um, (laughs) And now he like seeks out that Mm. because I've taught him the way. So um, molded him. I've molded him. (laughs) But no, it's important. I mean, couples that just put everything on their partner are just going to end up having resentment because, you know, no one's designed to fill all, all of those roles. Right. And we're not, I mean, that's not, we're created for a relationship one monogamous romantic relationship, mm-hmm. but then lots of other yeah. friendships that give, they give us this, that model this loving kindness that we all need. Yeah. Um, I know we've talked about this already a little <clears throat> bit, but church friends are important, but how is it a gift for pastors when church members surround? Like, I mean, for me, I'm like, that takes the pressure off because I can't <laughs> get to everyone's needs, but it's a yeah. gift when members are taking care of one another. Yeah, well, for sure. So, like, especially in a church our size. Like, yeah. So it's, like, gosh, it's pe- people want to be seen and they want to be attended to. And the lo- the larger the setting, <laughs> the more important it is to have small subsets within that setting yeah. where you can have that connection. It's like when you go to, um, so when you go to high school, so if you're, if you go to Plano Senior High, I mean, they're, so many people there. Mm-hmm. You have to find every parent will tell you. You have to find your your group, mm-hmm. whether it's band or athletics or robotics or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever your thing is, uh, to be the healthiest you can be in those larger settings. You've got your smaller groups that you connect to. So, I mean, you and I, we can't see who's missing on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, we some people might come immediately to mind if they're right. always in the same pew and we talk to them all the time for variety of reasons but there's no like there's you need people looking out for you mm-hmm. right and it's not just to make the pastor's job easier it's because that's what we all need mm-hmm. and so uh, we do things like we have systems in place where we check up on folks we haven't seen in a while but it's a very different type of call than the person who sits next to you in sunday school every week or your small group every week yeah saying hey i haven't seen you in a couple weeks you okay yeah yeah it's a huge huge gift um, because I mean, there's nothing worse than calling someone and saying no one's ever, no one from the church noticed I was gone, you know, and you're like, Oh, <laughs> I, right. I know. It's ter- right. You're like, oh, and what okay. I would say about that is everybody's got to take some responsibility for that for themselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You've got to, you've got to make connections with people mm-hmm. beyond just the expectation that the staff will be doing that. The staff tries very hard to do for that sure. for sure. It's a different kind of interaction when it's someone that's a, a, like a, a life group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's the family living class. Mm-hmm. They've been together here for, I don't know, I mean, since the 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. 
and they sit. They go to Sunday school. Yep. And they all sit together, and they all sit in the same place. Yep. And they sit. They're, they're side by side with one another, and it's just a really powerful witness, I think, to the importance of small groups. Those, those you know, I mean, there've been people that have joined the class, you know, moved to the area or whatever. But there's a core group of people there that have that raise their kids together, that are uh, being grandparents and great grandparents together. You know, they they go to each other's funerals, mm-hmm. they check on each other when they're in the hospital. I mean, it's it's really just a beautiful thing. It is. Okay, my last question because we still have a few more weeks of Ruth. Um, what is your f- favorite meal that people have brought you when you've been sick <laughs> or had a new baby or whatever? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I would say. A really good question. Uh, I would say you kind of have to take the baby off the table because okay. you're so tired, right? And there's <laughs> yep. so much food, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yep. Sunday school class and church, especially with this, when it's pastor, they have a baby, as you see when little Killian arrives. Okay, little Killian. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really think you should float that by Scott. Okay. I, I don't know when the last time you read Ruth was. Just you yeah. should do it as a bit. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel really called to this name. I just feel in my spirit. (laughs) Yes, yes. Use use the spirit language. Oh, that's really funny. (laughs) Um, so in Henrietta, uh, there was a there's a church friend there who like beef is the thing. It's cattle country, Mm -hmm. and um, man, the brisket out there, so good. Okay. Um. And there, and he taught me how to do it. And so, like, smoke meat, really. Uh-huh. So now, like, the eternal gift for us from Henrietta will be that our our meal that we do every year on, we've started doing it on Thanksgiving, even Christmas, Mother's Day, Whitney's birthday, uh, is smoked tenderloin. Yeah. Woofty. Okay. So good. But that's about the kind of wood and how long you, how long you cook it. So he, we received some, and then... Uh, learned very quickly how to do it ourselves. Yeah. How about you? I don't know if I have a favorite meal. I don't know. I just like food. I mean, anything that anything that I don't have to prepare is pretty <laughs> awesome. So, um, I will say Scott's not a huge like casserole person, but I think because he doesn't, he's had all the wrong kind mm-hmm. of casseroles. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm trying to think what I've, what we've been brought before. I don't know. I just like food. So there's that. <laughs> well, the more church friends you have, the more well-stocked your yeah. kitchen is when, when you eat it. Yes. All right, y'all. So this coming week is going to be Ruth 2. We are going to skip Ruth 3 mm-hmm. and then go to Ruth 4. So we appreciate you being with us. Thanks for spending some time with us. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Offscript. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd, produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.